This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse for free trial membership. This is Writing Excuses Season 5, Episode 3, First Person Viewpoint. 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. I'm Howard. I'm Brie Spain. And we once again have the wonderful Brie Spain back uh, being our guest star this week. Thank you, Brie. Good to be here. So um, we did a podcast a couple weeks ago about third person limited. So let, we want to do an entire podcast talking about the ways to write first person viewpoint the best. So let's just start off again with a reminder. Why do we like first person? Brie, why do you like to write in first person? I love to write in first person because I feel like I am really getting into the character's head. Mm -hmm. And I used to be into acting and okay. I see it as, um, it's like method writing, it's like method acting. Oh, really? Where I'm actually like, I feel like I'm getting into that character or that character is actually inside my head. And I will tell the, you can tell the story the way the character would tell the story. Okay. Dan, never do this. Yeah. Never method, <laughs> oh, right? Yeah, I yeah. was going to say, I, I can't say that because then people get creeped out. But, mm -hmm. okay. but no, I actually do a lot of the same things. You know, I've never even thought of that method writing it. Do you ever kind of get in the mindset so much as a tangent, but that you like, you know, are in, so influenced by the character that you're thinking like them and things like that? Or is it just you? I, uh, I'm afraid to admit that yes, I do. Wow. Wow. Okay. Dan. It's another one that I shouldn't answer. No, <laughs> there actually, there's a scene in uh, Serial Killer, and if you've read the book, you might know which one I'm talking about, that really messed me up for a few days after finishing it. Because wow. it's very intense, and it's very, you know, I am doing this, and I am thinking this, and this is what I'm going to do. Was and it the clock scene, or was it the, um, no, the outside uh, the window in scene? In the house with the mom. Oh, okay. With his mom. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm so. glad that scene messed you up because it messed me up. <laughs> yeah, I told people I was going late at night to record a podcast with someone who writes about serial killers, and people are like, "Are you sure you want to do that?" <laughs> yes, that's fine. We record <laughs> in plenty of witnesses behind here. the uh, meatpacking plant. <laughs> Meet us there at midnight. <laughs> Knock three times and then say hello to the man with the hook. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, the reason I write first person, and <laughs> I, I write first person just like Brie, and uh, the thing that I really love about it is the lack of reliability. And we've mm -hmm. talked about unreliable narrators before. Yeah. But I love the fact that this is all coming so acutely through the lens of one person that you can't necessarily trust what they say yeah. or what they think or what they feel. That's actually what attracted me when I've written in first person. The main attraction has been the ability to distort, to hide, mm -hmm. to change, and to, to, to just it's essentially... incredible. Yeah. And the extent, the extent, Brandon, to which you did that with Alcatraz, I don't know if you know this, but uh, the first Alcatraz nozzle yeah. novel was the first nozzle. <laughs> was the first you can Brandon buy those Sanderson. on his website, by the way. <laughs> was the first Brandon Sanderson I'd ever read. And uh. I, remember, I remember thinking, you know, a third of the way into the book, oh my gosh, how is he getting away with this? It is so unreliable. Uh, I loved it, but uh, but it felt very rule-breaky mm -hmm. to me. 
Um, I do feel like uh, my first person are not as elegant as the real masters of first person because I'm generally using it when you, you read my first person. I'm using it as a reaction against my third person limited, which I really love and I think I do very well. And I do first person when I want to do something different, which is, you know, it's a good reason I suppose to do it, but it, I'm not really a master of it. And I cheat a lot, like Alcatraz books. Um, Alcatraz doesn't talk like a teenager because he's writing it many years later um, and things like this. Um, Bria, just out of curiosity, I, in, in your book, do you write it as if they are looking back, she's looking back on her life and, um, and writing it years later, or is it kind of the over-the-shoulder camera first person where you're just in her head as she's experiencing it? I do over-the-shoulder ca over mm -hmm. camera. I almost said over-the-shoulder boulder holder. But, um, <laughs> you actually <laughs> did just say that. <laughs> I did just say it. Um, the over the camera, I kind of think it's as if she was if she were telling it five minutes later. Right, she's narrating it yeah. kind of as it happens. I just figured out what well, that is. <laughs> Howard just, just got, got that 15 minutes later because he's not that smart. <laughs> um, Okay. Okay. Back to you. no. Back to this. That's actually a, a very good. Uh, you, you see that very commonly in YA, um, mm -hmm. and one of the reasons that it does is because it's not necessarily in present tense, but it gives it a present feeling. So rather mm -hmm. than, and, and it, it's actually very important. I I recommend it, particularly in YA, because one of the main reasons to use first person in YA is to establish one character solidly that can carry an entire book with their voice immediately, and you don't want to then have the problem of who is this person later on who's telling us the story? You yeah. want them to be attached to that character right then. Yes, I like the immediacy of it. Yeah. That's, that's why I like first person. I like to be in the moment, the way the character views it, and not necessarily removing you know, her reflecting back on, well, maybe this, right. yeah, you know, yeah. that type of the, thing. The, the older first person stories, kind of the, in the early days of noveling, right. like uh, Frankenstein by Mary Shelley, it's first person, but it has that obvious frame story. And yeah. the frame story has really kind of gone out of style. Be, and you, you don't get that sense of, I'm an older person, remembering what happened, but it's you know, happening right now. You still yeah. see that in a lot of the adult genres. You don't see it in you the other books. And that's why I, um, and mm -hmm. I, I think it's actually a nice thing that YA has developed. Um, I'm thinking of something like Robin Hobb, um, yeah, which that, um, does that, have the frame story. That's or a good point. Um, the, the Name of the Wind, which we've mentioned that we love. Again, a frame story, and this is very common in the, but it's, it's not as much of a problem there because it's an adult looking back Mm -hmm. For adults, well, on their and, kind and of adult. even in Name of yeah. the Wind, mm -hmm. the frame story itself has its own story. Yeah. Whereas the classic Victorian frame story was just two people sitting by a fire. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things that I do, a, a trick that that works well for me for first person is um, everything is in past tense, even though it's essentially immediate. But um, whenever he has his own thoughts in the moment, I'll put them in present tense and italicize them, okay. which I makes do that it too. a little even more immediate mm -hmm. and is a nice way of saying, by the way, this is happening right now, which is somehow separate from the narration, even though it's also in his head, but just it, it's a trick that works really well. Um, Brie, foibles of first person, things you've seen people do that you just think are a bad move or maybe things readers, uh, writers need to be aware of to, to, to watch out for. I think a lot of it comes in description or even personal description. You'll be telling a scene and then all of a sudden it'll stop and tell what everybody looks like. And, mm -hmm. and I'm thinking, will, would the character really think that at this moment or telling in the story, would they really stop uh -huh. to describe what they look like. And I think men have a harder, I've heard men say, oh, you can never put, you know, the physical description of the actual character 
in a first-person novel, but I think that's because they it's a, that may be a difference between men and women where yeah. girls do think about what they look like a little more. So I, I can see slipping it in here and there. Right. In, in that, I think it's harder for, I think men have a harder time pulling that off. Just don't do the cliche, look in the mirror and describe yourself. Oh yeah, that's um, horrible. <laughs> What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. But people still people still do it, new writers. Let's um, let's pause for our book of the week. Um, Bree's actually going to um, pitch one that she really liked reading to us. Um, so it was Beastly, you said? Yes, Beastly. I actually just finished the audio book from Audible. And it was a really, really great narrator um, who read the story. But it's a modern Beauty and the Beast set in Manhattan. And it's told from the Beast's point of view. And I... If it was great first person, just getting getting in the head of this, who starts out as a very very unlikable character and has to go through the journey of you know Beauty and the Beast and and it's been, learning it's who been he is. It's been getting great buzz. I've heard it from several people that they've really loved it. And there's a movie coming out with oh, wow. Alex Pettifer, who's really hot. Okay, so. <laughs> well there we go. Um, AudiblePodcast.com/slash/excuse. Uh, go and download your uh, free trial at Audible and support us. Um, and thank you for listening. And Bree, thanks for pitching that to us. In response to that, I'm actually going to ask you another question and make you talk some more. Oh, great. Um, advice to aspiring writers who want to write first person. What can they do to really make their first person just sing, be wonderful? You know, I think the biggest thing is to think about how this character would tell the story. It's really the voice of the story. Mm-hmm. How would this, you know, what is their point of view on the world and how would they view how this story is told. They, you know, a, a pastor's daughter is going to tell a story different than, you know, a hardened, you know, already vampire right. slayer type person. And, and um, to really think about, and it's the thoughts. That's why I like to write first person is to get my character's commentary on what is going on. Okay. It's all, it, to me, it's the all commentary. in the thoughts. Yeah. Um, Dan, advice for people approaching first person, and also foibles, since I didn't pitch that to you, but I, um, I think um, you write a wonderful first person. I think you'll have good advice. Well, I thank think you, you write a creepy first person. Well, that's wonderful. First <laughs> I'm person. still that's having wonderful problems and with creepy. It. He's a multifaceted person. Um, I think it's very important to get the voice. For me, that's one of the biggest strengths, and, and to get it right, something that, uh, that you, Brandon, have mentioned many times on the podcast is that I tend to write myself into books and stories when I right. first start them. And part of that is on purpose because I want to get a handle on the voice. When I started Serial Killer, the first thing I did was you know, a 20 or 30 page monologue of just him talking about his life, which was never really intended to be part of the book, but it was a way for me to figure out who he was and what he sounded like when he talked. And then scrapping that, going back and starting over, it, it worked so much better from that point because I had that voice down. Right, and I think this does play into um, what Bree said as the, 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 the worry, the, the potential pitfall, because with first person, we've mentioned this on the podcast before, uh, one of the things you can do is you can do scenes that would be more boring from a third person viewpoint and make them exciting simply by using character voice. You know, you can do an info dump 
you can have the character talk about what they think of school and what school is like, which in a third-person narrative would just slow the book down and be dreadfully boring. But in first person, if the character has this wonderful voice and is who they are and is talking about things and can be either charming or creepy or whatever, they can talk about the most simple things and be fascinating. I got a but, great example of yeah. that. Okay. Um, I, I did a, this writing for charity thing on uh, Saturday and I helped a critique group um, you know, we, did, we looked at first pages and stuff, and this one guy had this fantastic first page of his book that was this first person from the point of view of a girl describing why she didn't like going to school because she was the weird kid that nobody else liked. Mm -hmm. But all of that came through the lens of National Geographic. She was this nature freak, and so the other girl at school who was like the alpha female was described as, you know, she would be the cover shot on the magazine because she's the big sparkly pretty bird with all the feathers that everyone wants to see and I'm in the background and no one cares because I'm just the weird looking brown bird in the bush. You okay. know, and wow. it, it was really well done character quirk that uh, you know, brought out that voice really, really powerfully. Yeah, and you can do some of these things. It's one of the, the great advantages of first person. But I think the, the, the folly is that, that what Brie brought, Brie brought out is it can be too tempting to go into those lapses for huge periods of time. And while you were building this one character in a wonderful way that everyone is engaged by, you can lose the story to the point that it can be jarring on the back end when you go suddenly back into the story and we've forgotten who everyone is. Um, so it's yeah. a little late in the cast to ask uh, such a deep question, but when you're doing uh, you know, first-person writing, uh, what are the techniques you use for developing characters who are not that first person? Because That's I assume that other characters are important and they yeah. still have to have arcs. I think it's a little harder. At least I've found it's a little harder. Um, how do you guys do it? First-person experts. Well, again, for me, it's, it's about unreliability. And the way to develop all the characters in John Cleaver's world was to have him say things about them and then to have him describe their actions in a way that is demonstrably contradictory. Mm. You know, my mom is a jerk and she doesn't love me at all. And she doesn't care about me. And then in every scene we ever see her in, she's doing something to help him because she loves him very much. He just doesn't see it that way. And so that helps develop her character because of that um, inconsistency. I love the contradiction. But one thing that happened in my first book was there's a best friend character who she becomes not very important in the story. She kind of, uh, and the main character doesn't give her a lot of credit. And so she is, because we see her through the main character's eyes, she's portrayed as kind of flighty and not very helpful and just all over the place. And she only cares about boys and all this stuff. Where in the second book, she opens up to the main character. We actually find out she is a much deeper character and that was really fun to suddenly e explore through because we're only going to really see her the way mm -hmm. the main character sees her and portrays her and suddenly we open up this whole new facet and what she knows like she knows a whole lot more than we ever thought she knew wow that's very interesting yeah it's that's a great thing i mean i will say honestly that um one of my big challenges in writing um first person has been other characters um I don't seem really feel like I know any know someone as a character until I've written a scene from their viewpoint. And in first person, you either have to do that and throw it away or 
switch to another first person narrative or just not do it. Um, and I found myself actually doing narratives from other characters' viewpoints that I don't include in the book so that I can see through their eyes and make them live and breathe and feel too. I hope that it enhances the writing. I'm not sure if it does, but um, for, it helps me to write them. No, I think that's very good. That's what I was talking about with you know writing monologue scenes from your characters. It, yeah. it lets you figure out who they are. Yeah, I did that a lot in my head. I think about, okay, how would this character see this? Even though I'm not showing his point of view, mm -hmm. I really, really do think about what that character is thinking also. And then if you become a huge, big bestseller and you've actually written some of these things out, then you could do the book from that character's <laughs> viewpoint and have, you know, you've already written it. Be behind the scenes. All right, Bree, um, thank you again for doing these podcasts with us. And um, as your closing reward, I'm going to make you give us the, uh, the story prompt. Oh crap! <laughs> we warned you this way. Oh, we're off I to forgot. a off to a good start. I yeah. got wrapped up in the. We love doing okay. this to our guests. Story prompt. Uh -huh. um, something that does with first person. You know, you can always your just character like, yeah. has a secret. Okay. And we don't know what it is. But how would they get around hinting at that secret without giving it away? All right, that's your story prompt. Thank you for listening. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storytellers' stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like... Do you want to do a one-on-one -on -one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.